This is Yudaha Kohen, Vision Movement, Vision Magazine, and you are listening to the Next Stage Podcast. Israel is once again in election season for the fourth time in two years. And joining me on the show is Eli Yosef, the leader of the Halevi Yehudi Party, the Jewish Heart Party. Eli is also a personal teacher of mine for many years, and during that time we've been involved in a number of different political and social struggles here in Israel. But right now, Eli is running for Knesset and is also currently on hunger strike, uh, both in front of the Knesset during the day and outside the home of Defense Minister Benny Gantz at night. And I asked Eli to join me on the show in order to bring his party's message to our listeners. Eli, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Judah. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. In addition to running for Knesset in these elections, you're currently also on hunger strike. You're outside the home of Defense Minister Benny Gantz at night. Can you share a little bit about that? Can you explain to our listeners what's going on? Why are you on hunger strike right now? So two and a half weeks ago, just before Shabbat, I received a phone call from a woman that I did not know. And she literally cried to me on the phone, telling me about the massacres that are taking place in an area called Tigray in Ethiopia, where massacres have taken place. And during those massacres, also Jews have been killed. And... um, These massacres are taking place when the areas where the massacres take place have been blackened out. In other words, electricity, internet has been taken away from those areas. Also with technology that we give the Ethiopian government. In other words, making it impossible to get out information of what is going on there. And and that cry caused me not to sleep during that Shabbat. And on the Motsay Shabbat, a couple of weeks ago, we started a hunger strike. I started a hunger strike outside the house of the Minister of Defence. The Minister of Defence, Benny Gantz, is somebody I had several contacts with a year beforehand. He promised me on film that that if he got into power and he was a Minister of Defence, this would stop. And obviously, not only has it not stopped, but it has got worse. The President hunger strike has two purposes. Number one, to push the government to bring all the Jews from the area of Tigray to Israel in order that they should be at least home in a safe place and not in danger. Secondly, to stop all assistance to the Ethiopian government, um, technological and military assistance, as they have gone over the red line by by enabling mass by enabling these mass murders to take place. I'm sorry, Ali. When you said that Benny Gantz promised you that this would stop, what is the this? What did he tell you would stop? That with the arming arming murderous regimes. Okay, I brought him several facts about how we have been arming murderous regimes, and on film he came out saying this will stop once he gets into the Minister of Defence. He has been now in the Minister of Defence for, for, for quite a while. It has not stopped. And not only has it not stopped, it is carrying on in every area where there are mass murders, whether it's Ethiopia, whether it's Uganda, whether it's Cameroon, whether it's Myanmar. In every one of these countries, we are still involved in getting them the weapons. We are still involved in giving support to the regime that believes that mass murder is a way to govern one's people. And that is something that nobody has held Benny Gantz accountable for. And um, 
And this is something that we intend to hold him accountable for. Not only him, but also the whole of the government he is involved with. Not only them, but also the opposition who have no problem with this that this continues. They that talk high about morals or unmorals, they have no problem that Israel is involved in helping mass murder. You're talking about Israeli weapons companies that are selling arms to these governments that are committing atrocities with Israeli weapons. Correct, but there's one point you missed out, that these Israeli companies get a permit from the Minister of Defense to export their technology or their arms to these countries that have no qualms about practicing mass rape, mass murder, women, children, the works. And so the aim of this hunger strike is for the defense ministry to stop allocating these permits, to stop giving permits to these weapons companies. Exactly. And to bring the Jews who are still in Tigray back home to Israel. As you know, the number two on the list of Benny Gantz is Penina Tamnushata, in other words, a Jewess from Ethiopia herself. She is the Minister of Immigration, and she has not been involved in getting the Jews from this area where there is tremendous violence now to Israel. Have you been in touch with the absorption minister? Well, I had a small contact with the Ministry of uh, Integration, she said to me that she prepared to meet me after the elections. I said, after the elections, there is completely no point because Benny Gantz will probably no longer be the Minister of Defence after the elections. Now he has power. When I insisted on a meeting now, she obviously refused. And um, to show you that that is the political way, you know, we don't say we don't want to meet you. We'll meet you after the elections, after it's important, after everything's gone. And that is the way we treat today the sanctity of human life, Jewish life and other life. I sent her a photo of one of the Jews who was killed in Tigray the last couple of weeks. This is, these are things that are happening, and the Israeli press do everything in their power that the people of Israel should not know what is happening. Why do you think that is? Why the press blackout? The press are governed by money concerns, and the people who govern the press are also people who receive dividends and money and have involvement with those who are selling the arms and are involved in this military industry. What I'm trying to say in two words, nobody wants to look at the suffering in the eye and say, I am also responsible for this suffering. Nobody wants to raise or awaken the conscience of Israel. They are prepared that we carry on sleeping. That is basically the real reason. We haven't got the guts. Our politicians haven't got the guts to look at the suffering that we are involved in. Men, women and children by the thousands are raped and afterwards massacred. This is not something that we should be involved in and certainly not encouraging with our arms and our means. And have you found any sympathetic journalists? Has anybody been willing to take on this issue? There's not one single journalist who has made of this a crusade. You may find a journalist here and there who will mention this as a bystanding, something that happens, but not that important. No one has made for this something central. There's something very wrong when we have lost our capacity to feel for the other. I would say we are even limited emotionally, as if an illness has come over us and we're somehow limited emotionally. Something is, something is very wrong. Right. The very fact that there isn't, as you say, a journalist 
who has made of this a real crusade. And he's involved in this from morning to night. You've got crusades against Bibi. You've got crusades for him, crusades against him. You don't have anybody doing a crusade on what we are all part of. That's, that's the problem. Right. Even the crusades that do exist are quite infantile. Unfortunately, I would say the national conversation in Israel is a very immature conversation. Maybe that's the problem, this emotional immaturity that seems to plague us as a nation right now. 100%. 100%. We do not deal with real issues. We don't deal with issues. We deal with com combinations, how to do this. How we don't deal. The Israeli government does not deal with real issues whether it's the real issue behind every single field of endeavor of a government, we do not deal with the real issues because the real issues are always at the base. Issues that involve emotional involvement, that, in, that, 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 that include a certain amount of, of basic values. And when those values erode, there is no emotional involvement. There is no real caring. And therefore, we're not involved in real issues at all on every single area. Right. I want to explain a point here, which has to do with um, the feast that we just had now, Purim. And this is the fact that the Jewish community of Ethiopia come from two areas, Amhara and Tigray. And the people in Amhara have a, how would you say, a sympathy for Amhara. And the people from Tigray have a sympathy for Tigray. And now you have this terrible situation where people from Amhara say, what do we care about the people of Tigray? In other words, as if we're not brothers, as if we don't care about each other. And this reminds me of a story of one of our greatest teachers in the last generation. In 1940, he had been imprisoned by the Russians. He was the head of Beitar in Poland. His name, for those of you who don't know, was Menachem Begin. And he was in a cell with two other Polish prisoners. And they were playing cards. And one of them said to the other, well, let's hope the Nazis get here. And once they get here, we'll get out of this prison. And don't worry, Mr. Begin. We know you're Jewish, but we'll take care of you. Don't worry. Everything will be okay. And Begin looks at them and says to them, I'm sorry, but I can't be part of your hopes. If the Nazis get here, Jews for the whole of this area will be taken to their murder. And the two Poles looked at him astounded. Begging? We're here in a stinking cell and all you care about are your Jews? I never believed those anti-Semitic boys stick together. But you prove to me that they're right. Begging hears this and he goes to the wall and he lifts his, he lifts his heart and head to heaven. And he says, God of the universe, what are they accusing me of? Jewish solidarity? What have the Jews not done in order to prove that we're not, and we do not have solidarity? In the Napoleonic Wars, in the First World War, Jew fought against Jew, and Jew killed Jew, because we wanted to show our allegiance to the countries that we are part of. And now, they're accusing me of Jewish solidarity. I pray to you, Hashem, may this non-Jewish myth of Jewish solidarity, of Jewish unity, become the first mitzvah, the first commandment of our Judaism. As if to say that Begin was saying, Haman said, one nation dispersed and divided. 
It's our decision whether we're going to be one nation or dispersed and divided. They think whatever happens that we're united. May the time has come for us to unite. And I wrote a letter to Jews in the Ethiopian community, some from Tigray, some from Amhara. I said, if I was given the chance, I would go around the communities to explain it's not important whether you come from Amhara or you come from Tigray. We're brothers now. And we've got to help each other. And why were they saying this? Because they thought that the minister, the present minister of, of immigration, does not care about the Jews of Tigray and therefore is not doing anything to bring them to Israel, even though they are in great danger right now. And this is a small background how what is the Galut? What is exile? When we don't care about each other. What is Geula? Redemption that we learn from somebody like Menachem Begin is we become brothers again. So although that is only an anecdote, but it's an important issue because the issue is not between the Jews of Tigray, the Jews of Amhara. The issue is between all of us, the whole of Israel. Don't we care about our Jewish brothers? Don't we care about other brothers who are part of the humanity? Aren't we a nation that was created in order to bless humanity? And this is the crux issue. The Jewish people is one family. And the whole of humanity is one family. So the Halevi Yehudi party uh, appears to be the only party running in this election, actually forcing the conversation of what values should be animating our state. Like what makes a state Jewish? What policies do or don't express our identity on the national level? Uh, can you speak a little bit about this? What is it that you are trying to return to the Israeli political conversation through running for Knesset? We want to return the basic value of the love of a human being, each human being. When you're a stranger, in Hebrew, the word for stranger is zar, stranger. It leads the way to cruelty. Ach zar, only a stranger. When you're only a stranger, there's cruelty. So we say in the Yudi, this cannot be. So there's a verse it says, When I was a kid, a kid, when I was a student in social work in university, I wrote a paper on the Jewish attitude to old age. And I got out of 100 in my paper, I got the incredible mark of zero. Now to get a zero out of 100, you've got to do it. I got a zero, and that was the only mark that could fail me completely. I couldn't carry on. What does that mean? Why did I get a zero? Because I basically came out a bit against old age homes and for the idea that we should try and encourage families and financially and otherwise to keep the old people, when they no longer have strength, in the homes of their children. And that's one of the ideas that we want to bring out. Because I believe that when my mother personally had a stroke, and I was suggested to take her to a home. And she stayed with me for the last couple of years of her life with an aid worker. And that is, that is who I am. I'm a son of a mother who brought me up. I don't send her to an old age home to be ignored at the end of her life. And we say in our things, don't throw me away when I'm an old man, when I no longer have force. That comes from our Torah. So the idea is to restore uh, a sense of identity, emotional maturity to the society. 
to the national conversation. Correct, correct. When I decide to be cruel to the family of humanity, and I decide that I can arm mass murderers will go and rape and murder women and children, then something very black, something very mechanical, something very dark, a force comes and begins to govern me. And then it's not only the family of the humanity that I become a stranger to, and they become a stranger to me, it can even infiltrate my own family. I become strangers, even to my own wife, to the sense that I can do something crazy, and even to other members of my family. What am I trying to say in two words? We are all family. Mm -hmm. We were all created in the image of God, and that's what makes us family. And therefore, we are family. If you are created in the image of Hashem, then you inherently have that compassion that enables you to be part of family. Mm. And if I deny that compassion within me, then I deny I am a human being created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. What's also interesting and refreshing about your party and its message is that it does cut across Israeli society. I mean, I imagine you have opponents and potential voters from almost every political camp on the spectrum. Do you have a, some kind of profile of what kind of voter you're targeting or an idea of what parties you expect to take votes away from in these elections? We're looking for people who don't want to accuse, but want to do what we say, a soul-searching process. Who want to ask and come to the conclusion, I am responsible. Not Gantz is responsible, and not Bibi is responsible, and not Lapid is responsible. They're players in the game, but they don't have responsibility. I have responsibility because I'm prepared to look at the suffering of my nation and the suffering that I'm causing in other nations and say, I am responsible. Where I take responsibility, I have power. When I say the other is responsible, I am powerless. Okay. I'm responsible to bring a healing. I'm responsible to show another way. And therefore, we're looking for people who don't want this superficial argument of you're wrong and you're wrong and you're wrong and just knowing how to accuse the other. We want people who say we are responsible and we are going to be the change. Okay. This isn't the first time you're running. You ran also in the previous elections. Have there been any efforts between the last election and this one to push members of parties that are actually in the Knesset to adopt some of these ideas? Well, we've tried. And we've even got to a stage that one member of Knesset made a law that was presented to the Knesset. And two days before the law was to be presented, I got a phone call that he's not going to present it because he's going to do something else. Which reminds me that three and a half years ago, I managed to get another member of Knesset, Yudha Glik, to present a law also against the arms. And when the law was about to be presented, he received tremendous pressure and he withdrew the law. And that is the reason we're running for Knesset. Because when we do eventually find a member of Knesset that agrees with us and wants to do something, we believe that he is put under so much pressure he simply does not go the whole way. You're speaking um, specifically on the issue of arms sales. Both of these. I'm talking about specifically on the issue of arms sales. As far as the other issues are concerned, we've spoken to members of Knesset about people who live in the streets who don't have a home to go to, and we received answers from their staff saying, "Well, even in the Torah, it's written that there are poor people." I said, "In Torah, it's not written there are poor people." In order that you should let, leave somebody on the street, what I'm trying to say is that 
in order to feel something, you can't know Torah. You have to go and see the person who is living in the street in the cold and take him into your home. Unless we understand these basics to feel somebody else, to go out and feel, and that is the member of Knesset that we dream of being. Members of Knesset who are in the field to go out and live the problems. Every member of Knesset has to champion an issue, whether it's the prisoners, whether it's the people who don't have homes, whether it's the, it's the injured, whether it's every group of people. We have to go out and feel the problem. Because only when you feel the problem will you have a vision of how to try and bring healing, how to try and bring a remedy. And that basic emotional maturity that we were talking about earlier, that is what is lacking in Agnes. So here's the question. If this is really all about stopping weapon sales to human rights violators and restoring some sense of responsibility to the Israeli public and emotional maturity to our society, why electoralism? Like what, in your opinion, makes running for Knesset the most effective way to get these messages out? Because this is the message that is being ignored by our press, by our rabbinical leaders, by our professors in the university. This is the message that is being ignored throughout our whole educational system. We have to have a certain amount of power to bring change. Because without that power, no one is going to do anything. They don't care. We're not talking about minor issues. We are talking about the, the crux issues of our society. Mm-hmm. And therefore, those crux issues that need emotional maturity, that need a loving heart, they have to have power in order that the people of Israel know there is a new leadership, a leadership that wants to lead by the heart and only by interest. Everybody talks about Israel's interests. Israel's highest interest is our values, our hearts, not money. That is our number one interest whether we can live with who we are or whether we can transfer something real or not. I believe in the youth of Israel, that in 20 years time, yeah, there'll be a youth that will want to go to South Sudan to heal. And they will come to our generation and tell us, mum, dad, grandpa, grand, granddad, why were you silent? And as you said, Today, it's not even an issue in the public conversation. That's right. It's not even an issue. It's something that is looked down upon. They consider me as an obsessive guy. And because I am, and I admit to be obsessive, I say, of course I'm obsessive. I went through a Holocaust. I went through countless pogroms. I went through suffering throughout 2,000 years. And if I'm not going to be sensitive to human life, then I've learned nothing. Well, let me ask you this. You've been involved in this issue for a number of years already. This is your second run for Knesset. Do you feel that you've been able to draw more attention to this issue? Have you, have you been experiencing an increase in media attention, public attention towards this issue? Is it more of a conversation than it was? There are more people who are aware. Mm-hmm. But our purpose is not to make people aware. Our purpose is to make people realize who they are. The definition of a human being is somebody who was created in God's image, full of love and full of compassion. 
our aim is not just to raise awareness. Our aim is to allow people to get to know themselves. We are loving people. We care. We have compassion. That is who we are. And when we don't have that, then we don't have what gives us inner joy. Mm -hmm. And I believe that our children have a right to have an upbringing, an education that is in harmony with their soul. And their soul is a loving soul. Not that he grows up with innocence and love and he becomes cynical at the age of 21, 22. Mm. And therefore, although we have maybe raised a little bit more awareness, we are not there yet mm. until we have a nation that knows how to describe itself and define itself. The nation of Israel is a nation that has grown to love, a loving nation. Every person in Israel and every human being. Mm. So we're not there yet, even though there is a bit more awareness. But it's only a bit more. And it's certainly not what we're... We are looking for compassion to rise to the level of passion. When compassion rises to the level of passion, then we will start doing our role of being a light to the nations. Right. Well, Eli Yosef... I wish you much success both in this current election and also in your broader efforts to help make the nation of Israel what it's supposed to be, what we came back to life to be. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you very much, Judah. Thank you for everything that you've allowed us to express here. And thank you very much for, for who you are as a good, 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 good friend. And thank you for everything that you managed to do for help. It's the least I could do. This is a big project, rebuilding the nation of Israel after 2,000 years. It doesn't come overnight. There's a lot of work all of us have to do. You, me, the listeners, all the people involved need to really think about what they can contribute to help making the rebirth of Am Yisrael, to make this project successful, not just for our own nationalist needs, but also for what we have to give to humanity. Because the truth is, every time, uh, every time we've had power in history, we've been able to influence human civilization in a very positive way. And I believe this is no different now that the children of Israel have come back to life and have power and independence again, we need to think about what impact we can have on the rest of the world, how we can bring the rest of humanity somewhere better and not get mired in the moral quicksand of the uh, dominant civilizations on the world stage today. So Eli, I wanna thank you for coming on the show. Uh, this is Yudaha Kohen, Vision Movement, Vision Magazine. You're listening to the Next Stage Podcast. You can check out the show notes by going to visionmag.org backslash the next stage for it.